Hello, this is John Smallwood from Smallwood Wealth Management, located in Red Bank, New Jersey. Today, we're digging deeper into the 19 Sources of Retirement Income Guide that's available for download on our website. It's something that I think every investor should be thinking about and creating these 19 sources in their retirement income. The goal is to be as resilient, as endurable in your financial strategy as stuff happens and stuff changes and tax rates change and interest rates change and lifestyle changes and everything. Number seven in the guide is, I believe, one of the most misunderstood assets in a client's plan whole life insurance dividends. Life insurance is probably, life insurance itself is probably one of the most misunderstood assets. So I want to just back up for a second and basically talk about the key distinctions of life insurance and the variables there. So life insurance in its purest form is often considered term insurance. I pay a low premium for a time period, and if I die during that time frame, my family receives the death benefit. At the end of that time frame, the policy cannot be continued or the premium goes up exponentially and the policy is discontinued. And when you discontinue, there's no cash revalue return and you lose your life insurance death benefit. The life insurance death benefit is probably one of the most important assets in a retirement plan, which we'll talk about in this podcast and we'll talk about it in one dedicated to as we move forward in the planning process of these other 19 sources of retirement income. But I, but I, want, you to, I want you to think for a second. Now, the other policy is a whole life policy, which means it's in essence here for your whole life, okay? Ensuring your most important asset, which is you and your ability to earn money and spend money and save money and be a parent and a business owner and a corporate executive or whatever you are, okay? So whole life insurance has some key distinctions different than that of term insurance. Whole life insurance has a guaranteed premium that can never change. And those premiums can have different timeframes. A policy can be guaranteed to be paid up in a single pay. It could be any derivative of a five pay, a 10 pay, a 20 pay, paid up at 65, paid up at 98, payable to 100, payable to 120. Each policy is different. It has different nuances and different benefits. But in essence, that premium has, it can never be raised in, on a guaranteed basis. The policy will be paid up at a certain time frame, which means that the policy continues for your life, okay, when a policy is paid up. A whole life policy has a guaranteed cash value that is going to return your premiums to you and over time. If you look at all whole life insurance policies, the, the cash value 
and the death benefit on a guaranteed basis will meet each other at some point. So if a investor or a person who purchases whole life insurance and decides to put money into a whole life insurance policy and that person buys a million dollar policy at age 100, the cash value will equal the million dollar death benefit, assuming the premiums were paid, but this is based on the guarantees. Now, every other type of insurance is a derivative basically of term and whole life insurance, universal life, variable life. It's changing how the money's invested, fixed indexed life insurance, but universal life is sort of a hybrid between term and whole life. Typically, the premium is not guaranteed, although you can add a rider that makes the premium guaranteed. The cash value is not guaranteed. The death benefit could change. The cost of mortality could change, and they could charge you higher rates in the, in the future. This is not a podcast about different types of life insurance, but what I want to create here for a second is the distinction is that when I put money into a whole life policy, there's the guaranteed premium, there's the guaranteed cash value, there's the guaranteed death benefit. Those are all pure, constant things. Then there's a dividend that is not guaranteed, but that can be paid to the policy holder by the insurance company. And typically, that dividend is considered part of the profits of the insurance company. If it's a mutual company, the mutual company is owned by the policyholders, the participating policyholders, and those people are typically the whole life insurance policyholders. And that the insurance company makes money from actuarial science. And basically, that actuarial science is there's three components to actuarial science. There's the bond portfolio that's there in mortgages, et cetera, that the insurance company invests in that's there as a proxy to pay claims as and to support the company. But the real thing comes down to the two components, which is the mortality risk and the lapse ratio. So what makes an insurance company profitable is we, if we insure a thousand people and we expect each year a certain amount of those people are going to die, that's the actuarial assumption. If less people die than we assume, that makes the company more profitable than we thought. And those profits will be returned to the policyholders in the form of a dividend. Now, from a lapse ratio, L-A-P-S-E, if, if I have a lisp in my conversation today, the lapse ratio is if I own a term policy, if I own a whole life, if I own a universal life policy, and that policy terminates, is cashed in, or premium not paid prior to my death, that policy ends in either, if it's a term policy, without a return of premium rider, 
there's no cash value being returned to you and your family has lost the death benefit. In a universal life, there might be some cash value. In a whole life, there's going to be some cash value that's going to be returned to you. But the policy is now lapsed and we are no longer, as an insurance company, required to pay out the death benefit. So that lapse ratio, more people lapse their policies prior to lapsing their life just kidding, but you know what I'm saying? The company is profitable. It has nothing to do with the stock market. It has nothing to do with, you know, that it has really to do with actuarial science. Now, if you're putting your money in a universal life policy, a universal life policy does not have a dividend. So therefore this source of retirement income is not something that's going to occur in your strategy. So when I get the dividend, from the success of the insurance company, I have options on that dividend. I can take that dividend and I can use it to reduce my premium payment. I can take that dividend and I could put it at interest with the company and earn interest that's taxable as we discussed in one of the earlier podcasts. I can buy what's called a paid up additions rider at most companies. And what that does is it buys a little bit more insurance. So my insurance increases, but it provides a tax free or tax deferred is tax deferred accumulation with some interest. Okay. I can use the dividend to reduce my policy loan. If I have an outstanding policy loan, so there's many sources or many things I can do with the dividend, but you have to understand the taxation of the dividend. A whole life insurance policy has one of the greatest tax benefits out there. It has what's called FIFO accounting, first in, first out. So the dividends can be received from a life insurance policy tax-free until I reach my basis, which is premium paid. So for example, let's say I put in $200,000 into a life insurance policy over a 20 year period. And I've accumulated $350,000 of cash value by reinvesting my dividends in what's known as that paid up additions rider. So I've got a $200,000 basis in the contract and I have a, let's just say a $300,000 cash value. Just make it simple. And the dividend for that year is going to be, let's say it's going to be $10,000. And these numbers are not right. These are just concept, okay? But that dividend, I can say, give me that dividend. Don't put it back on the policy. Give me that dividend. And I can get that $10,000. And that $10,000 is tax-free. And I can take out all the future dividends tax-free until I reach that $200,000 basis. When I hit the $200,000 basis, I've exceeded, I've taken out dividends out, then the dividend would be taxed as ordinary income. Now, in this life insurance policy, that FIFO accounting treatment allows me to withdraw my basis 200,000 and leave my profit in the company, in the insurance policy and not pay taxes. Life insurance loans are also tax-free 
from a policy, assuming the policy does not lapse. If the policy lapses prior to death and you have significant loans that exceed your basis, that would be a taxable event. Universal life policies in that structure, the only way to get money out of a policy is to either surrender it or surrender cash value or take a policy loan, which both have been, you know, have pros and cons. Okay. But one of the key things is that in a life insurance dividend, that life insurance dividend does not go on the tax return. There's no place for it on the tax return. It's not reported on the tax return. So therefore it doesn't create other problems on your tax return. And if you look at pretty much any illustration from any company that out, that's out there that's a good quality company, that's a mutual company, there's a point where the policy, let's say, is paid up at 65. I, I, I have a policy conceptually that's paid up. There's two components that are happening in the growth of this policy at that point in time. There's the guaranteed increase and then there's the dividend. Okay. So if I'm taking income from the policy at this point, that dividend is technically going to increase because each year the policy has a guaranteed cash value increase. So you have the combination which causes the future dividend to be higher, assuming the dividend holds its current scale. Now, life insurance policies, because of the three components of the policy return is really four. We'll go through them again. The bonds and the mortgages that they have have interest rate risk, right? So as interest rates decline, that portfolio rate declines, that'll affect the overall dividend picture. The lapse ratio, the mortality science, and the fourth option is how well does the company manage their expenses? Over time, these are going to fluctuate. Over the last 30 years, why interest rates fell and dividends fell on life insurance policies, they did not fall as quickly and as fast as other interest-bearing accounts that were subject to the same reduction because of that mortality science. Now, as interest rates turn and they go back up, life policy dividends will not rise as quickly depending upon how the interest rates rise. But again, it comes down to here's an asset that's centered in the middle of, the, of this 19 sources of retirement guide. It's at the middle or the foundation of your plan because of the security of that policy, the security of the balance sheet of that insurance company, that it's going up every single year. It can't go down. Interest rates rising will not affect it. So it becomes this foundational asset. So the dividend is a wonderful asset that can be a great retirement income for a long time frame. That's very tax advantage. Then you have your death benefit. Okay. And your death benefit is something that in my book that's coming out in February of 2020, it's your wealth. Keep it. We have this target that we've created from the culmination of the 30 years of us doing this. Okay is that 
if a client is worth a million dollars at retirement and they have 250,000 or 25% of their net wealth in life insurance cash values, they're producing a dividend from that. That dividend is going to be very, you know, comparative to other fixed income vehicles, but it's that policy will have a death benefit that's paid up around seven to $800,000. So as we talk about the goal in a plan is to provide 100% of your net wealth to your family upon your demise at a very old age, hopefully, right? Is that that death benefit is something that allows you to do other things in your retirement and there's other bells and whistles for lack of a better word, okay? That, you know, there's accelerated benefit riders that can provide access to the death benefit prior to death if you meet certain criteria such as, uh, you know, terminal illness or chronic illness and those money can be, those funds can be used for whatever you want to use them for. Some of them have long-term care features on them, okay? Uh, it depends on the company, the state, et cetera. But what we're trying to say is, is that the income derived from the policy, the cash values can be quite tax advantage if you think about it from a dividend perspective and you think about it from a policy loan perspective, but it's that death benefit that can really allow you to take some of the other 19 sources of retirement income, okay? Sort of the concept of, my father years ago said to me, and I'm an only child, I have life insurance, I have a house and I have a life insurance policy. The house is paid for. If I don't take a reverse mortgage on that house, let's say the house is 500,000 and the policy is 500,000, you'll inherit a million dollars. And I said, yeah, that sounds good, dad. Thank you, I appreciate that, I really do. But the purpose of my plan is not to give you twice my asset base, it's to give you what my asset base and my current asset base, current asset base is the $500,000. So if I don't enjoy that $500,000 over my lifetime, I'm going to give you twice as much money and I had less enjoyment. I said, I get it. So you go, if I do a reverse mortgage, I can get the income now. And when I die, you get the death benefit. Doesn't matter whether or not you get a house for 500,000 or a policy for 500,000. Exactly. So it's that switch that allows you to do other things that you may not do if you didn't have this tool. You know, when we start thinking about reverse mortgages, immediate annuities, annuity income, buy down strategies, principal pay downs, charitable remainder trust, which we'll talk about, these are things that have very unique tax benefits to them, but also could cause number seven not to happen, which is providing maximum benefit to your family after you're gone. So the life insurance is something that you really need to dig in and understand the pros and cons of it. Most of the information I find on the internet is very, not macro, it's very micro. It focuses on rates of return. It focuses on that you don't need life insurance in retirement. Etc. And I, I haven't met a client in 30 years that really family would not have benefited and the individual not have benefited from having life insurance in their retirement plan. You know, there's so many financial pressures coming 
And the life insurance is helping defend against that, right? But on a quick note, when I die, my wife will lose one of our social securities, either hers or mine. In, in the current world that we live in, my social security will be higher. So she'll lose hers and all that money that she paid into it. My health insurance benefits might go away. Um, if I have a pension income and I've taken a joint and survivor option, I either have less income now because I took that joint and survivor option or when I die, she gets significantly less money or zero money. She ends up in a single taxpayer bracket. She might end up paying capital gains on ordinary income that we discuss qualified dividends because her income's below above a certain level. If I wake up in a nursing home and it's a long 10 year drawn out battle and I eat up a bunch of assets, the life insurance is going to replace those assets. If I didn't have that kind of outcome, I just happened to wake up at the funeral home and I didn't have it at a long-term care event, then the life insurance is providing additional funds to her into my family to, you know, understand what's happening. My father always would joke, but it was a real thing. Dying is bad enough, but dying in a down market really sucks for the people that are, are left. It was a great quote. You know, liquidity, the life insurance is a, you know, we know what it is. It's, it's predictable. It provides instantaneous liquidity which if you die in a down market and you know real estate's down and income is down or you don't have tenants or your tenants come out of your rental properties or the market is down dramatically, the money comes in and it, it reduces the impact and the pressure of the withdrawal that the family's gonna have to make to pay off mortgages or to pay college tuitions or to generate income to supplement the income that's, that's gone or to buy business partners out. There's a lot of unique benefits to it, and I think I think it, it's really worth a deep dive in understanding how it works, how it would work in my plan. Is this, you know, is this source of income valuable? Is this number, you know, seven on my 19 sources of retirement income? How important is this, and how much value do I get from it? Look forward to talking to you about it. Look forward to revisiting it with you. Or if it's the first time that you've discussed it or heard about it, look forward to sharing more information about it with you. And there's so many more things that we could be talking about with it also. But the purpose of this is the tax-free dividends from a whole life insurance policy till I reach my basis is a very powerful source of retirement income that is predictable and constant, depending upon the company and the dividend rates, et cetera. I mean, there are things that will affect it, but everything in the world is affected by something. I look forward to talking to you. Have a wonderful day. Please share this podcast with people that you think could benefit from it. Subscribe to it. Visit our website at smallwoodassociates.com. Take advantage of our free book offer for our five ways your wealth is under attack. We'll ship that out to you immediately. Just need your name, your address, phone number, and we'll get it out to you, anybody in the United States. We also have another book coming in February that you can sign up for soon. And then 
take advantage of the wealth curve pressure identifier conversation. Let's dig into your plan and understand what you have and, you know, what your obstacles are and what your pressures are and how do you get through it and accumulate the wealth that you want. Thank you. Welcome to the end of the video. Smallwood Wealth Management is an investment advisor representative. The opinions expressed by Smallwood Wealth Management and guests on this show are their own. All statements and opinions expressed are based upon information considered reliable, although it should not be relied upon as such. Any statements or opinions are subject to change without notice, information presented for this educational purposes only. Moreover, no listener should assume that any discussions or information presented serves as a receipt of or substitute for personalized advice from Smallwood Wealth Management or from any other investment professional and is not intended as an offer of solicitation for the sale or purchase of any specific securities, investments, or investment strategies. Smallwood Wealth Management is not a law firm or an accounting firm, and no portion of this presentation should be interpreted as legal, accounting, or tax advice. Information expressed does not take into account your specific situation or objectives and is not intended as a recommendations appropriate for any individual. Listeners are encouraged to seek advice from a qualified tax, legal, or investment advisor to determine whether any information presented may be suitable for their specific situation. Thank you for listening.